It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Lay Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means of Cleveland.com. Thanks as always to you guys for making this part of your week. Continuing to be a busy week here. Last week of player interviews. So we got Ryan Day on Monday, Wednesday, quarterbacks and linebackers, Friday, safeties and corners. We'll talk about those position groups on the days that we get them. So that'll be your Wednesday pod and your Friday pod. Look forward to that, gaining intel from those guys. We're going to talk about the transfers of Bryson Shaw and Legend Cavazos. But mostly on this podcast, we're going to dig into the idea of, based off Duke and North Carolina playing in the Final Four, do you people, do Ohio State fans, want to see Ohio State and Michigan in a playoff game? We have a text or survey. Good intel from the texters. Be part of that at 614-350-3315. We'll share some thoughts on that. But first of all, some congratulations in order. Nathan Baird, we said on the Monday pod, hey, we'll talk about who's left in the bracket. The Buckeye Talk 300-person-plus bracket. And then I just, we didn't talk about it. I forgot. I really should write things down. Who won? Congratulations to Kansas. I did enjoy all the... Twitter jokes about like, hey, you know, Mark Emmert's going to hand him the trophy and then also hand them a notice of violations or whatever. Um, NCAA sports. But who won? No violations in our bracket. Who's winning? Who's coming on the pod at some point? Yeah, actually, I think my favorite tweet was somebody was like, oh, that Bill Selfs won two of Kansas's four national championships. What does he get? Like a statue? And somebody very quickly quipped, how about an NCAA rule book? <laughs> but uh, our, our finish was just as thrilling, if not more so. Not really, because the points were, I guess, determined. It wasn't like uh, the person who was trying to come from behind could do much about it. But it was a one-point finish for the championship. Mm. And Richie, I'm going to lose Kybers, which was the name of his bracket, beats out Jeff's glorious bracket by a single point, 121 to 120. And Jeff actually did a better job picking Final Four teams. They both had Kansas winning it. Jeff had Kansas beating Villanova in the final four and then Duke over Kentucky in the other one. Um, so he had three of the four final four teams picked. So again, and I can't stress this enough, the under bracket, as I like to call it, is critical. Richie had two of the final four teams um, and then had Kansas beating Duke for the national championship. 
but it was all the work he did underneath that that was able to build up enough of a lead that those late points that Jeff got and some other people got for getting more Final Four teams weren't enough to overcome the, the good job that Richie did in the early rounds. So congratulations to Richie Kybers, and um, we will get you on Buckeye Talk soon, and you will also get a copy of Doug's book to do with as you please. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, that's really funny. Could... They torched it. If they torched it, that'd be <laughs> amusing. We would like it. We, if you're going to set it on fire, please send us a video at least. Uh, Nathan, where did you finish in our bracket? Do you know? I do know, unfortunately. Well, I don't know off the top of my head, but I can tell you. You finished higher than me. You were the better of the two. I finished I... 91st, 91st, which is top third, which is maybe the best I've ever done in a bracket anywhere, anytime. And I was 260th, which is the worst, which is the worst I've done in in many years. I'm actually um, pretty consistently like not winning these, but like finishing in a relatively good spot. And this year that was over very quickly. And Steven passed, which no glory, but also no mockery. Yeah. Yeah. I won. We can can, can summon some mockery. I think there's always room for mockery. Buckeye talk. The man in the air. Like Orion Day says, man, it's the man in the arena. So wait, you're citing the man in the arena thing, but you didn't get in the arena. Exactly. So I can mock you guys and have no idea what it's like. Oh, we're in the arena. So he's like the Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I do consider filling out an online NCAA bracket very much being similar to playing college football in front of 105,000 people. (laughs) Um, Let's... uh, can we do two minutes on Tanner Holden, Stephen? I don't know that we've discussed Tanner Holden on this podcast, and I know there are people who yeah. don't want a ton of basketball content, but they just got a guy from Wright State who helped lead Wright State to the NCAA tournament. Is he a Malachi Branham replacement, potentially? Who is this guy, and what's he mean for the basketball program? I mean, they would hope he's not a Malachi Branham replacement because – if this is your second guy, then that's a pretty good team. You know, Tanner Holden out of Wright State. Um, he has 20 points and seven rebounds a game last year, 16 points per game for his career, starting 91 of the 92 games he's played in. He can get to the free throw line, which is part of the same. When you average 7.8 free throw attempts a game, that means you're creating shots. And it's a lot of that is off the dribble and you, you know, going to get your own stuff, which obviously we all know was a problem this year for this basketball team. So, yeah, I don't. Here, to my understanding with the Malachi Branham situation is they're building their roster. And if Malachi Branham wants to come join that roster, there's going to 100% be a spot for them, for him. But what they don't want to do is get caught in a similar position. They were last year where they were thinking the entire time Dwayne Washington was coming back and then he doesn't. And then it's July and you're scrambling to find somebody in the transfer portal and you end up with a Cedric Russell who, yeah, he was good at Louisiana, but that was never going to translate up to the Ohio state level. A lot of what Tanner Holden does because he's six foot six, 185 pounds. Um, he's a big guard. A lot of that's going to translate up to the Ohio state level. He's not going to average 20 points in the big 10, but this is a guy who can average 14, 15 points in the big 10 or even 17, 18. If he's your number one option, if needed, be um best case scenario he's your second option to malachi brenham uh worst case scenario this is your leading score next year because malachi decided he wanted to stay in the draft which you which is what you think is going to happen that malachi is going to stay in the draft right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, so. it's, it's it's too many there's too many flirting with lottery picks in these mock drafts at this point for that anything else to happen 
Yeah. So, you know, when we get to the point where there's a firm decision on Malachi Branham, we'll do a reset of Ohio State basketball for next year. There's going to be more portal things happening. So there's no point in trying to predict what this team's going to look like right now. I do, you know, everybody after the national title game is putting out way too early top 25s and that kind of thing. Ohio, I look to play three or four of them. Ohio State is either in the 20s or out of them. So, and most of them are under the assumption, I think, that Malachi Branham will be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like here, this is where they are. Um, you know, they're like a borderline top 25 team in the offseason. And to my eyeballs, not in one shining moment, which, which not. might be the first time I can ever remember that of them not getting even like a, you know, a passing glance. Sister Jean was in, I guess she took the spot for the uh, exciting Loyola Ohio state game. So, you know, not a lot of relevance for Ohio state basketball right now. Not that one shining moment is the end all be all, but it's not nothing. Okay. That's uh basketball in and out football. Bryson Shaw, legend Cavazos. After we recorded the pod Monday afternoon, both go in the portal I had said on a recent pod, boy, Bryson Shaw is a good backup safety. And then he's like, I'm not a backup safety. But it does, Nathan, to me, sort of answer the thing we had. I think our general opinion of Bryson Shaw when he was playing last year, he got shoved into a position because of a Josh Proctor injury and sort of a lack of other options. Was probably not not good enough, right? Then we'd look at PFF numbers and PFF would be like, oh, he grades out at 90. And we'd be like, oh, we'll be being too harsh on Bryson Shaw. And then we were like, oh, I think he's probably not good enough. And now it's confirmation that he's not a starting safety at Ohio State when people are healthy and when the defense is functional. And then he doesn't want to be a backup safety because he started basically all of last year. So here we are. Let's start with Bryson Shaw. Nathan, what did you think of the news and what does it mean for Ohio State? Just for accuracy's sake, I think he peaked at 80 on PFF grade. That was in the Michigan game when he had the interception. But he had the fifth highest PFF grade among all Ohio State players who played more than like two games. So on defense, yeah, very, very, very solid. Yeah, on defense, defensive players, correct? Yes. Um, I thought you know yesterday on the pod we were kind of breaking down the roster and talking about how the signs that you're trying to read throughout a spring. And I wrote about this this morning. Uh, for the site that I think for both Shaw and Cavazos, them going in the portal is one of the most tangible signs that we've seen of the health of the secondary. Now, not the physical health, but I'm talking about like the, the football health of the secondary. And I, I think you're hitting it on the head that we when we looked at the way this safety group was coming together and said, one of the strengths of this group is that Bryson Shaw is a backup now, which if you're just an Ohio State fan or you're someone who is just making an analysis of the roster, that is an astute way to look at it. I think that this guy is a very, very good backup. I think he proved last year he could hold his own. If that's the guy who you have to rely on behind the guy that you really rely on, then you're in great shape. And I don't fault Bryson Shaw for a second for not being satisfied with that. And he can go somewhere else and play a lot the next couple years of his career. I think I was still a little surprised about him just because he also gave off a, what do, how do you want to say it? Like he had a, a very um, mature attitude about him. That's not the right over and He seemed like the kind of guy who might 
be satisfied saying I'm, I, I'm just going to be a great backup at Ohio state. You know what I mean? Like there are guys who do that. They, you know, they, they, they will play their whole four or five years at Ohio state and they never become starters, but there's still a contribution that's made there. So I thought he might be that kind of guy, but I don't fault him at all for deciding that's not what he wants. Except he's not from here. He's from Maryland. The right. guy who recruited him has been gone for four years, Alex Grinch. And maybe he'll just, go to USC. Maybe Bryson Shaw will go to USC, reunite with Alex yeah. Grinch. Yeah, I mean, you know, they can rally defenses aren't any good either. Um, but then also, you just kind of mentioned it. There's a long list of safeties at this point because the safety driven defense, but then also there's just a lot of safeties on this team. Um, we're mentioning the guys who are starters. I mean, what about guys who aren't even healthy right now? Lathan Ransom, uh, you know, Jansen Dunn, and then you got young guys like Andre Tarantine, Kai Stokes, I think might end up in the two deep by the time we get to fall camp and he's flashing a lot. Uh, Sonny Styles will be here in two months. You know, this is just, and he's a senior. So I don't, there's just, if if he's two right now, just based off guys' health, if, just based off guys' health or their youth, he might not have been two by the time they got to fall camp. And that's probably what he saw the writing on the wall. Um, it's one thing to be a backup. It's another thing to just not be in the two deep at all. Yeah. And that's what I was saying kind of about that overall health is that because right now, Ransom isn't practicing at all. Williams is a very Court Williams, a very limited participant in practice. If you're Bryson Shaw and you see that the that first line is like locked off now, it's Hickman Proctor, and that's what it seems like it's going to be this fall. And you're going to have to fight just to be that two guy now. I don't. I would. That's not what I would want for my last two years. Probably. I understand it. They're also over on scholarships yes. still, mm-hmm. and we will get into that more later in the week. We'll reset where they are on their scholarship chart, where they still need to lose some guys. It might have been tough conversation day in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center because nobody likes to see players run off, right? That's not fair. And I hope that's not what's happening. And if we find out or get information that like that kind of stuff is happening, then we'll report on that. We have no reason. That, that phrase is a, um, a loaded phrase, and we're not using it at the moment. But they're over. Somebody's got to leave. <laughs> and they need more guys to leave. So, and they're over on defense. That's where they're over. They're good on offense. They have too many defensive guys. So who left? A couple second slash third string guys who were never going to be first string guys and have younger guys below them who are ready to slide right into the spots. They are... As much as I said, he's a good backup safety. That's health of that. It's also, it's like, it's Kai Stokes. If you're Ohio State, it's like, it's Kai Stokes and Jansen Dunn or Bryson Shaw. It's like, well, you want Kai Stokes and Jansen Dunn because they don't, you don't even know what they are yet, right? Um, that's, whereas Bryson Shaw, you know what Bryson Shaw is. And in the end, Ohio State's belief is he's not a starting player when everybody else is healthy. And he probably is what he is and he probably can be a starting player somewhere else. So it might've been tough conversation day. And um, it's one of those things. I know some people are like, Oh, Jim Knowles is serious about this. Listen, they're over. I don't know what to tell you guys have to leave. They're over. I mean, it's not, we can't, it's not like Jim Knowles is walking through the Woody throwing guys out of a plate glass window. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, Jim Knowles my way or the highway time. They're just over. So let's just acknowledge they're, over on numbers, some guys have to leave. 
And these are the type of guys that leave in those situations. Let's not turn, let's not act like it's, uh, oh, Jim Knowles has taken no prisoners. The, the defense is going to be great because the, their sixth best safety transfer or their, their ninth best corner. It's just life in the Big Ten, in the big city. And I just hope that Bryson Shaw and Legend Cavazos feel like they were treated fairly, feel like they were given upfront analysis of their situations. And I hope they feel good about their move. And I hope they don't feel like they were pushed out. But don't you feel like this is still a juncture where maybe the tough conversations hadn't even started yet? I'm wondering if the timing of these happening on Monday and the Saturday thing, which was like the closest thing to like an open scrimmage that they'd held in front of everybody and probably showed these guys maybe where they stand a little bit more. I don't think that's coincidental timing. You know what I mean? I think these both of these seem to maybe be more like writing on the wall situations. Not that they aren't having like, you know, frank discussions with their coaches, especially if they initiate it. But I don't know if this was at a juncture yet where you had to start like bringing guys in and push them out because that, that is always going to happen. There's going to be that natural attrition that happens every spring. A little more than halfway through spring. That would seem like the proper time to do it. If it's not a quarterback, obviously with quarterbacks battles, you probably just want to get through the spring and then have the conversation. But with everybody else, I mean, you get 15 practices, 14 actual practices in a spring game after practice seven, let's sit down and talk about where you actually are. But you want that to be their decision as much as possible. I just think yeah. that you wait. I don't know that this is the juncture where you have to initiate that conversation because enough, enough guys are going to initiate it on their own. Yeah. I mean, spring games are two weeks. Uh, you know, I don't know that the timing of, of waiting another two weeks or not is, uh, is huge. But so Bryson Shaw is gone, but there is the group ahead of him. And as we mentioned, there are the group of guys coming up behind him. Steven Legend Cavazos was a guy that Jim Knowles has mentioned, had mentioned as the nickel safety. It was Tanner McAllister. It was Cam Martinez. And then on the day we spoke to Jim Knowles, it was sort of like, oh, and Legend Cavazos is the third name he mentioned there. So that means... Maybe not working as much at outside corner where they have four guys and he's not one of them. But then again, if you're the third string nickel safety and maybe you came here thinking you were an outside corner and what is this? Again, it doesn't feel like a shock if we were going to play name that transfer and say, all right, guys, let's pick six guys off this roster that we think might transfer before September 1st. I think Legend Cavazos would have been a likely candidate for that. Yeah, I mean, his is a little is a lot different than, you know, Bryson Charles, where with Bryson, it's like, look at all these guys when they get when they get healthy, who might be ahead of them. Well, we know who is exactly is ahead of Legend Cavazos, and you kind of knew it coming into the, the spring that that would be the case. And so with him, it's probably more of a, well, the two possible spots I could get on the field here, I can't crack the two deep. And one place I can't crack the two deep because there's two returning starters and then two guys that they really have a lot of so much faith in that they decided to walk away from a five-star guy who entered the transfer portal and could have probably brought to Ohio State Eli, Eli Ricks. Then at the nickel spot, okay, Cameron Martinez is back, Marcus Williamson is gone, but they just went and added a guy who already knows Jim Knowles' system and was the first guy to lose his black strap and is probably going to start here. So I'm a third stringer at best no matter where I'm at. I should probably go look elsewhere, especially since I did have an opportunity last year, even if it wasn't necessarily in the best case scenario opportunity, but I didn't play very well when I got a chance to get on the field against Oregon and Minnesota. Legend Cavazos was the number uh, 352 overall recruit in the class of 2020. 
Um, that was like kind of actually mid pack a little bit, sort of in that 2020 recruiting class for Ohio state that had guys like Julian Fleming and Paris Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigba and CJ Stroud, uh, at the top of that group. Um, he was ahead of guys. He was ahead of Joe Royer, Grant Tutant, Josh Fryer, Mine Williams, Ty Hamilton, Jacob James, Trey LaRoe, uh, and Jake Seibert. So for legend Cavazos 352, Steven, like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it. It's one of those things we won't we, we're not beholden to recruiting rankings. This is about where Denzel Burke was right, rated as recruit. Denzel yeah. Burke started his first game as a true freshman. But on the other hand, if a guy in the 300s, again, I, I'm, I think I've said like guys in the 300s, that's Ohio State should recruit top 200 guys and then diamonds in the rough. This feels like right the exact range of I don't know how many guys in this range are going to make it here. Is this did you think he might have a a decent shot of doing something here, or is this not a huge surprise? I mean, I'm not going to completely throw out the idea that maybe he could have been like a Denzel Burke just because he was a bit of a raw athlete and a guy that he could go to the combine one day and really light it up just because he's super fast. And like, he's a sub 40 guy. He's got a good vertical. Like he's a really raw athlete, but also he went to IMG. He's from San Antonio, but he went to IMG. So he's been playing against high level competition for a long time. So the Denzel Burke route, wouldn't have been crazy um, that type of development. Um, but also his, his importance to that 2020 recruiting class was um, as we talk about all the time, there are some guys who are really good peer recruiters. And he was one of those guys at a time when Ohio State didn't have any defensive re- commitments because Ryan day had just taken over for urban Meyer, which is who he initially committed to um, Jeff Affley and Ryan day were able to get him back into the class after three months that after the three months he was decommitted. And really, if it's not for him, you know, you can kind of help credit him at some with why Julian Fleming is here, why CJ Stroud is here, why a lot of these top 105 star kids are in this class, because he he was just as big of a recruiter for some of these guys as Paris Johnson was. But as an athlete, and as a football talent, really raw athlete where it was like it was either going to develop or it wasn't. And the latter happened. Bryson Shaw, class of 2019. One of eight guys ranked 300 or lower in that class. Tommy Eichenberg was 327. He's, he's making an impact at Ohio State. Noah Potter was 334. He's had major injury issues. Marcus Crowley, 370, also major injury issues. Bryson Shaw, 575, now transferred. Kwante Hamilton, 584. What's up with Kwante Hamilton? Did he transfer? He's not with the program anymore. Right. He yeah. is in the portal, but I don't think he's transferred anywhere yet. Craig Young, 609, transferred. Jada McKenzie, 765. He's still around, right? He's a defensive tackle now. Mm-hmm. And then... Diamond in the rough, Dewan Jones, last guy in that class. So, um, Nathan, I, I, I did just Bryson Shaw, 575, just like a little, it's like an Alex Grinch thing, kind of from far away, not a hugely rated guy. I respect it when a position coach is like, I got a guy for you, because sometimes that guy's Darren Lee. And it felt like Alex Grinch was like, I got a guy for you. And then it was Bryson Shaw, but a guy who's 575 as a recruit, for him to start, when we go back in the history and on the Ohio State Media Guide, they have starters. Here are the starters for this season at every position. Bryson Shaw's name is going to be in there for 2021. For a guy who was a recruit in the 500s, that's above expectations, I think, for what he got done here. Absolutely. I mean, third leading tackler on this team last year. And I was getting, when I was sending out the um, links to the – Articles I wrote yesterday, there's the news news pieces when Cavazos and Shaw both 
announce their transfers, obviously you get some quick meathead reactions of, oh, good, good riddance to those guys, or we don't need trash here. Are you calling like texters that. meatheads? Are you calling some not texters? Texters, Twitter, no, Twitter. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. I'm sorry. This is texters, on Twitter. Like I said, yeah. I don't send that. We don't usually send out the links on, on text. I'm talking about Twitter. Um, yeah. our, our, our texters are, are typically not as meathead. Um, but I thought both Cavazos and Shaw were scapegoated a little bit last year. I mean, Legend Cavazos had to play cornerback early last year because somebody did. It wasn't his failure that he wasn't ready to play cornerback for this team. It was failures that date back to Urban Meyer, frankly. Um, it wasn't Bryson Shaw's um, fault that this coaching staff, the current one, didn't recognize the lack of depth at safety earlier and do something about it, either through recruiting or development. Like, they were both doing what they could, um, and I thought Bryson Shaw did a, a, a capable job filling in. I He did as well as you could expect under the circumstances. If they weren't the ones who were at fault. Ohio State was at fault. So if you're out there harboring, like, bad feelings towards these guys, the, the program you root for was the one that was corrupt there, not these players. Yeah, same time. The standards are standard, you know. Oh yeah, no, uh, no it's one's like, yeah. yeah, but they didn't the, meet it. They like, didn't meet the standard. Uh, right? <laughs> it's like, no, you're right that it's not their fault why they're here, but now they're here, and it's not like you know, it, neither one of those guys was in a Denzel Burke situation where they had just gotten here. One had been here for a year, and Bryson Shaw was in year three. But none of them, but neither of them are the reason the the standard wasn't met. Is my point? Well, but it's one of those things when we talked about last year with the defense. It's like. The coaching's not good enough. The scheme's not good enough. And the talent's not good enough. The personnel. Yeah. Right? Ryan Day always said it's three things. Mm-hmm. This, this is an example this of the personnel three. situation. Because remember when they lost to Oregon? Legend Cavazos and Bryson Shaw both played a lot versus Oregon. Because Josh Proctor, Proctor got hurt during Oregon and Bryson Shaw came in. And they didn't have any other corners to play. And Legend Cavazos was on the field. And they lost to Oregon. So this is the kind of thing of we don't want to be in the business of unfairly and overly criticizing amateur athletes who are trying their best. But if you want to win a national title, like the personnel on defense wasn't good enough last year. And this is the, the final step of that because these are two guys who played in a week two power five loss. And we would watch that game and say, that defense isn't good enough. And Ohio Mm -hmm. state looked at it and said, that defense is not good enough. And then you can't guess what they did. They changed the scheme. They changed the coaching. Everybody's gone except Larry Johnson. And this is an example of changing the personnel. We can't only talk about it in theory. There's a reality to it. And this is the reality of it. Two guys who were on the field last September are no longer in the program because the personnel, Nathan, had to get better. And we all saw it. Yes, I, I I agree with that, but I'm just saying if you have a personal criticism there, put it towards yeah. the coaches who set up that personnel, not towards the the players, yeah themselves. They were, they and were and tough spots, yeah. And the personnel thing had already they were already in the process of fixing the personnel thing. These guys, none of these guys that are pushing these players out are were transfers that came in right. because Tanner McAllister isn't pushing out Bryson Shaw. They play different positions. So it was all guys who were here. It's just that even at Ohio state, as much as they're bringing in highly talented guys who are, are great players as, uh, or athletes as freshmen, it typically takes like some connection between talent and experience that makes you ready to play. And that's, I think that's, that's the sign of what's happening right now. Which is why also there to your point, 
Stephen. There were other guys who were thrown into the exact same situation of, hey, uh, we don't really have anybody else. Could you do it? And then yeah. when a guy like they- Denzel Burke is thrown into that role and is like, yeah, I'm ready, let's go, and is good, then you really need to acknowledge that because they probably threw four or five guys into that secondary early last year. Ryan mm-hmm. Watts, Legend Cavazos, Bryson Shaw, Denzel Burke. Maybe there's somebody else I'm not thinking of. Three they of did those it with guys- Lathan Ransom the year before. <laughs> did it with Lathan Ransom the year before. Three of the guys that throw- got thrown in last year are no longer with the program. And one of them is your starting number one corner. So the program had a personnel issue that was caused by a recruiting dip. But let's pile on. We don't need to pile on the guys who tried their best and weren't good enough. Let's pile on the praise, Stephen, for Denzel Burke, who was put in a worse situation than any of these guys because he was a true freshman. And he was like, let's go. Amazing. Yeah, that's all I'm saying is, you know, the hit rate, I mean, one of four. I don't know if that's a good hit rate or not for throwing guys in the for, for the sink or swim theory, but that's what it was. Basically, you had four guys get into the sink or swim theory, and one guy came out. And maybe it is a good hit theory because the guy who came out might be like the best corner in the Big Ten coming into the season, while the other three are not here. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little, it's not a good theory to use. But if this if this is how you had to go about it, and you came out with this result, I'm not going to chastise you too much. Because I mean, this is a, already a very, you know, highly volatile well, way of doing business. It's not a good enough hit rate for Ohio State. Like, no, we threw four guys in the fire in the secondary and we hit we did 25 percent. That's not good enough for Ohio State. But then the whole point is, as we've been saying repeatedly here, Nathan, is, well, now there are other guys coming who are not being thrown in, who are being developed into the fire. Right. No one. If when Jordan Hancock is on the field this year. I don't think anybody's going to be like, well, they just chucked that guy in there and said, good luck. It's like, no, they, they, this has been a plan. He's a top 100 recruit who didn't play as a freshman. They developed him. He had a good spring. Here we go. And it just, it makes yeah. more sense. Think back to like last October when they have two veteran linebackers go in the portal in the same week. And we're kind of thinking like, Ooh, does this mean like this might be a sign of something wrong in that room? Whereas now I, you get two in one day and I would actually argue uh, as awkward as it might be for those guys, it's probably a sign of things going in the right way for Ohio State on that side of the ball in that in that portion of the defense. That's interesting. How a much lot of, of stuff. Yeah. Transfer. From how much strength, of that is when it's weakness. happening, though? How much of that is when? Because like that was like in the middle of the season. Um, sure. And then like there was a, a pretty big you know punctuation on how one of them left. While this one is during the spring when you would expect there to be transfers to be going on around regardless of what program you're talking about. But I think timing is is interesting there because both of those guys chose to stick around into the season. And we thought maybe that it was indicative of a communication that wasn't happening, right? That why are these guys sticking around into a season and finding out four games in that they don't have a place to play? Whereas now that maybe that communication is also happening in a more healthy way. Yeah, no, how, how you do things. And again, uh, matters. So... Best of luck to Bryson Shaw and Legend Cavazos. But it is hard. I mean, in the end, it's like one of those things we were like, oh, I wonder what's going on with the linebacker room. That it seems a little unsettled in there. And it's like the linebackers coach isn't here anymore. So I don't, I mean, that's not why Al Washington's not here specifically, but to look and say, oh, the linebacker room seemed a little off last year. Um, I guess if it wasn't, if it was great, if it was like the defensive line room, then Al Washington might be the linebackers coach still. Okay. 
had to cover that. It's news. It's important. We'll we'll dig in more on where they are with the roster uh, in a couple days. But for now, let's take a quick break. When we come back, do you want Ohio State Michigan in a playoff game next on Buckeye Talk? Doug Nathan Stevens sent this out to the texters at 614-350-3315. I think being part of the surveys is kind of one of the fun things. I was talking to one of the people in our company who's helped create this tech subscription thing. And again, we were sort of early adopters here at cleveland.com and just talking about what we think about it, what's good, what's bad. And I just said, I think the, the, the survey thing, the poll thing that we're able to do now um, just makes it really fun because it's a way to get everybody's opinion in there without reading through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments and saying, I think this, I think that, which was great. We want to, but that's just not realistic to regurgitate that on a podcast. This is a way for all the texters, your opinion matters because you're in the focus group for what we think of something like this. So I want to start here because um, I saw somewhere on Twitter, I think it was Greg Doyle from the Indy Star, who used to work in Charlotte, I think wrote a Coach K book years and years ago. And he had highlighted a quote from Coach K in that book, which was, to paraphrase, I hope we never play North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. It would be too stressful you know, it's almost too much, too overwhelming. The team that would lose that game, I almost don't know how you recover from that when it's your rival and it's the highest stakes. And now here we are, and Duke and North Carolina played in the NCAA tournament for the first time in the Final Four, and it's Coach K's last game. I asked that question. Do you wish uh, – no, that wasn't the question. Do you have any fear – that an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game would be too stressful for you, and the idea of Ohio State losing that game would be too painful to bear. Nathan, before I ask you guys what you think the results of that texture question was, do you understand this line of thinking? Or does it sound like, what are you talking about? It's, it's sports. It should be fun. It's an exciting game. One team wins. One team loses. What do you mean it would be too stressful? In this case, I, I, I understand it. Now, having been around this for a few years, the – uh, just the intensity of the emotion that go into this game and to think that, especially if you start to think that it could mean that you're losing to that team twice in a year. And in this case, it'd be like twice in the span of a month and, and having to like, think of how much this team and this fan base is kind of feeling the weight of the loss last year and having to wear it for 365 and to have to, to feel it twice as much. I, I guess I understand why there's some who would consider that too much to, to bear. Is this worth thinking about Steven? The stress it's worth thinking. Of. Uh, I mean, yeah, cause it's eventually going to happen. Yeah. I, that might be the most stressful situation. You know, how State football plan could be in because there's already this element of you put a lot into that for 365 days just to get to that game. And then you've got to quickly come off that high, usually, at least the last four of the last five years, and like reset your mind to go try to win a Big Ten championship game. And let's just say the, it was the first playoff game that you have to play it. So now you've got to ramp yourself right back up into that same mindset to play that rivalry game again, except now it's on a neutral field and there's a lot more on the line because this could end your season while the other team gets to continue on trying to compete for a national championship. That could yeah, that's a very stressful environment for the fans or players that want to be in. So there are two things 
that go into making a great sporting event, I think. One is stakes, how much it matters, obviously, right? That's why a playoff game is more important than a regular season game. Like, what is it doing? Oh, it's a regular season game, but we're, we're, it's getting us closer to the playoff or it, right? Obvious. And the other is dislike. It doesn't matter when we play. It's who we're playing and we don't like them. That's usually like a rivalry thing, right? That's what we're talking about. Those are really the two things. And then everything else is just like, you're a competitor. You want to win no matter what. But, you know, that's why playing Indiana in September is, you know, there's only so far that can take you, right? Because in college football, there's always some degree of stakes, which is why people enjoy college football in the regular season, because one loss can ruin your season. So there's always sort of a, an under bubbling of stakes in college football, at least as it is now. You know, the NFL the Bengals lost to the Jets last year, like in week 12, and it was crazy and out of nowhere, but it was just kind of weird. It didn't derail the Bengals season. It didn't save the Jets season. I don't know that the Bengals were like dragging around all week. They just came back and played the next week and like, it was fine. So what did that Bengals Jets game mean? Nothing. Honestly, kind of nothing. It was entertaining and surprising for three hours. And then once it was over, that was it. And like, while it was happening, I don't know that the Bengals were like, oh my God. Now there was perceived stakes in there that, Hey, this could knock them out of the playoff race because it's so tight in the AFC North, that kind of thing, but it's stakes and dislikes, stakes and dislikes. So Nathan, the thing I'm building to here is the idea of Ohio state, Michigan and the playoff is smashing those two together in a huge way that we've never seen. Now, Ohio State, Michigan, part of why it's a great rivalry is because often, especially in the Bowen Woody era, but also several times in recent years, it's been a de facto playoff game, right? The winner is moving on to the playoff and the loser is probably out. So it's like, well, what greater stakes could you get from that? We're almost there. Well, it's at least slightly elevated because now you're both in. There's no maybe to it. It is a playoff game. I think in some situations, When you smoosh those two together, dislike and stakes, it can elevate the game. And I think there are situations when you smoosh dislike and stakes together, it can overwhelm the game. And it can make it to a thing of like, it's almost too much. So would Ohio State, Michigan be closer to elevating or overwhelming if and when it's a playoff game? So obviously I've never worked covering... North Carolina and Duke. I've never lived inside that rivalry. We just, we have that example now to look at that just happened. And in a, a historic way, not only is it the final four, it's, it's would turn out to be coach K's last game. Like that's and and from the outside, we look at it and say, cause we're just looking for like footnotes and storylines. Right. So that's like a great storyline in college basketball history that coach K's last game at Cameron indoor arena and his Final Four, his last game, were both losses to North Carolina, like the hugest rivalry. And there's a lot of bad blood in that rivalry too. Obviously, I mean, I don't think that they, I don't think it, I'm telling tales out of school to talk about that hatred. I had a friend who went to college at North Carolina. That I worked with in uh, Danville, and there was a barbecue place in Danville. I'm going to really take a little walk here on this analogy. There was a barbecue place in Danville for a little while, and there was one. Um, we would go there sometimes for staff meetings and there was one thing that everybody got. Cause it was like, you got two meats and a couple of sides. It was like this great little meal deal. So like, there would be like five of us going, like four of us would get that. And he, the other guy would not ever get that. And you know why? 
because it was called the Duke and he could not bring himself to order something called the Duke. Like the, the hatred of that, although he did end up marrying a woman who went to Duke, which is a hilarious ending of that story. Oh my but, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm just saying, you like, there's, if, there's... You're, if you'll, if you're going to make it okay for marriage, I think you got to make it okay for food. Right. Yeah, but the, the marriage came, see, that's the thing. Like you have this stance when you're in your early twenties and you have that you're just out of college and you're, you're rabid and still in your fandom and you're going to take that principled stand until you meet the girl. Right. Then you'll sudden you meet the girl and you're like, Oh, all right. But what if you're, <laughs> what if the guy would have been like, I met this girl. I love her. She's definitely the love of my life. It was love at first sight, but she went to Duke. She's out. Would you respect him more or less? No, you have to draw the line somewhere. Okay, I mean, I thought so. You've yeah. only got one shot at this. There's, you only get one life. Like, let's let's get serious. There's only one point. dinner. There's only one dinner in a day, and the guy's passing up the food time but, and time again. You but there are no stakes for that. Well, one dinner. But there's also no stakes on on choosing something else on the menu. You can take a principled stand with no stakes there. There when are you, other there are other women out there too. This is true. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just being stupid. I'm, I'm actually. Kid. No, I know. We're gonna patch in Katie Lamerys right now to see how she feels about that statement. Oh no, don't don't open that door. She'd be like, "Oh yeah, compare you to dinner. You're out. I'm eating a salad. You're done." I mean, that'd be out. the uh, the thing of it is, I, I am I'm not one of those guys. I'm not one of those like, "How dare you schedule a wedding during a football game?" kind of thing. You got to live your life, and life sports is a wonderful supplement to your life, but it should not overwhelm your life. So I'm just kidding. Uh, I hope your friend and his uh, Duke uh, spouse are very happy. They've been together many years. Looks like they've got a couple of uh, fun little kids. It's it's going well. My point just being that there is there is real like, you know, hatred in that rivalry. There's something that um, that, like Duke fans chant some kind of vulgarity at Carolina before, like every game that references Carolina, kind of the way that Purdue did with IU for a long time. Like there's just it's one of those intense uh, hatreds and we just saw it play out. And I don't I don't know that it felt like the world stopped for everybody else or that that game took on something ugly because of it. I think it was just, um, it amplified it a little bit for the casual fan. So it's two different things, right? It's, it's, is it, is it like this nuclear combustion that's happening, like kind of within the rivalry? Maybe, but I think for most fans around the country, it was just the thing that made that a more interesting game. Yeah, but we're not, honestly, we, we don't care about most fans around the country. We care about the people in the rivalry because that's what we're talking about. Because right. we're talking about if it happened in Ohio State, Michigan. So I'm curious how Duke fans feel. And I definitely have read something, Stephen, that is like, well, whatever happens for the rest of time in the Duke Carolina rivalry, it'll be like, hey, remember that time we beat you in the final four and sent your yeah. all time wing and his coach into retirement with an L? You're never getting better than that in this rivalry. No. And Duke, Duke can't ever get over that. It definitely softens the blow that they didn't win the national championship on Monday night. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, no, I, I, like can't that national championship. People rooting for Kansas. Kansas fans won two Duke fans. Yeah. And yes. And so, you know, but also I saw a stat. Apparently that loss last night makes North Carolina versus Duke in the Coach K era 50-50. Yeah, no, I think, and I think, I don't know if they fudged that stack because I don't know that it's probably his record. It's with the Coach K stuff when he was out on his back and either, but I, yes, yeah, 50 50. So it's that is correct that it's in the era, it's a 50 50 tie. But let me ask you this, Stephen. The one thing about basketball is until you get to the NCAA tournament, there are no ultimate stakes. 
because one loss in, in basketball does not ruin anything. It is mostly bragging rights and an ACC tournament championship, right? Or an ACC regular season championship, you're jockeying for position. But there are no ultimate stakes. So I think it's definitively true that the Ohio State-Michigan football rivalry has already seen much greater stakes that would be comparable. As we said, 2016, Ohio State-Michigan is basically a playoff game. Last year, Ohio State-Michigan is basically a playoff game, right? All the Woody and Bo games are basically playoff games. Carolina Duke, what they experienced this time around, Stephen, they had never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Because there was never, never, could not be by definition of college basketball, by definition of a sport where the good teams lose four or five games a year, could not be ultimate stakes until you got to a loser's done scenario. Ohio State, Michigan has already been in multiple loser is done when it comes to national championship hopes scenarios. So perhaps an Ohio State, Michigan playoff game would not be as much of a shock to the system as it was for Duke Carolina fans in the final four. No, I think it would even be more stressful because every time you meet, it's like that, you know, with, with like a North Carolina Duke, they're going to play each other twice a year anyway. And then you might add another one if they meet in the ACC tournament. And obviously they just met in the final four. So you're going to already have multiple games against this team. So there does become an element of it. Once the ball gets tipped a little bit of, all right, let's just go play basketball. Even if the buildup for like the recent one is, you know, magnified from a media standpoint, but every game, when every game is already like that to add another emotionally taxing game onto that, I think it just makes it more stressful because like you just said, it's already a one and done scenario. So a one and done scenario times a hundred, because now it's on a playoff stage. I think that's even more of a stressful environment. One of the things, I mean, like the thing we're sort of debating is does something make it worse or does the same thing make it better, right? Like which way do you take this? That yes, Ohio state, Michigan football has been in more, higher stakes scenarios but would that make a playoff game worse or better than duke carolina let's get to this texter answer because a lot of this is we're not trying to persuade anybody we're just talking it out i think it's interesting to ponder but every ohio state fan listening to this you have your own feelings about this and i don't know that anything that the three of us say or if you have this i would encourage you have conversations with your friends and family because i'd be curious and if you guys on, on texts, uh, 614-350-3315, want to say, hey, you know, I talked it over with my friends and family, and this is what we thought. I'd be curious what people came uh, to us for sort of a resolution on this. What do you think it is? Do you fear that it would be too stressful? Nathan, yes or no? Yes is yes. I'm afraid of the stress. Like when I think about the idea of that game, one of the things I'm factoring in is it might overwhelm me. What percent of the people said yes, that is true? Yes and no were the only two choices. You know what? What percent said yes? What percent said yes? Yes, I fear it might be too stressful if Ohio State Michigan play in the playoff. 38%. Steven, do you have a guess? The yes. 41%. Yeah, a little price is right there. The price is right. 47%. And early on, the yeses were actually winning. 
So the no's won, but it's basically split. So Nathan, the idea like half the fan base would be like, I don't know if I can handle this is interesting to me because that took, like, if you're so stressed out about it, that affects your enjoyment. It doesn't mean it's impossible to enjoy it, but it means your enjoyment's going to be slathered in the sauce of stress, right? I mean, at the very least, or like maybe you won't even be able to watch it. When this rivalry is going right, and by right, I mean, again, by the unattached observer's <laughs> opinion, not when Ohio State and Ohio State fans version it was going right when they won eight in a row and we're blowing them out every uh thanksgiving weekend but when it's going when it's most balanced i think part of the emotion that ohio state fans feel after victory is some relief right it's not that you felt like you got away with something and i think it's it's disguised by the the emotion of of triumph or whatever but you know you don't have to feel for the next year the way ohio state fans do right now but the problem is when you add a playoff game into that that's one more opportunity to then have to feel that again. Um, and think of like, think of the Duke North Carolina situation. It's like, what if Duke had won that regular season game um, at Cameron indoor for perpetuity? Anytime they would try to bring that up, North Carolina fans would say like, Oh, you beat us on your home floor. Okay. We beat you on a neutral floor in the, Final four for a chance to go play for the national championship, which we almost won. Like one clearly trumps the other. So now it 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 makes you have to live through the experience again. And it also makes your regular season win a little less valuable because now you got to go make it stand up again. It doesn't matter anymore. The regular rivalry game doesn't matter. For that year? Because yeah. Because you had a playoff year. game. Mm-hmm then that one takes the cake over the rivalry game because it meant more. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, we're trying to apply the Duke Carolina lessons to Ohio state, Michigan. I'm not sure that there's any Ohio state, Michigan game that you would say it didn't matter because I know if you, if the team that won the regular season game lost the playoff rematch, you know, the team that won the regular season game would try to say, well, yeah, but you know, like they wouldn't, It wouldn't just be the end all be all. And people would still say, well, yeah, when it's the normal thing. So they try to use it. I know what you're saying, Stephen, that it's like, well, when it ultimately mattered, you didn't get it done. I do think there's enough of a difference in football and basketball here that losing is a normal part of basketball in college in every and any basketball scenario. And in college football specifically, it's the one sport where for the best teams, losing is not normal. So so that means that every close win has extra impact, like against a good opponent, because you could have lost and losing is not normal. And then when you do lose, it has extra impact. So I do think it's it's certainly an apples to orange comparison on some level here when you cross sports. I think in general... Yes, the rematches in football are less satisfying. In basketball, you can have a game that is pretty evenly played in all facets. One team just has shots that don't fall one night, and that has a big impact on the outcome of the game. Like that, that's a legitimate thing that can happen, like a night where the shots rim out, whatever. There's not really an equivalent to that in football. Even if you like introduce the elements like we had last year with Ohio State, Michigan, I don't know that there's quite that there isn't that same like flukish element that could sometimes determine a close game. But I would also say like, we can game out what we're talking about here. Cause we, we almost had a version of it this past year. If Ohio state had beaten Oregon 
but then lost at Michigan in that game at the end of the regular season. Do both Michigan and Ohio State end up making the playoff? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think they do. And now if Ohio State were to then go on and win the national championship, even without playing Michigan again, does that trump having lost to Michigan or does Michigan still get to rub that in Ohio State's face? No, I, I, I don't think that that's more of the you know, would you be OK with losing to Michigan if you still won a national championship that year? What I'm more saying is, I think which one gives you bragging rights for the next year, which is part of rivalries. You get to brag about it. Does I mean, I the do one think- that happened at the, you know, at the end of the season or is it the one that happened in the playoff? Because the, the one the thing you're talking about, Nathan, we've had with Alabama, Auburn that Auburn beat Alabama in the regular season and Alabama won the national championship. And then Jalen hurts like did the thing with carrying the national championship trophy in an Auburn backpack or whatever. Right. So if they don't play again, it's like a different discussion. It's the idea of if they meet again, and I do want to get into that. The one thing I want to talk about quickly though, before we get to the rest of the texture answers, we had also a version of this with Georgia, Alabama in the national championship game this year. They had played in the SEC championship. Then they play a month later in the national championship and the opposite team wins. But Steven, Georgia, Alabama is not Ohio state, Michigan. So Duke Carolina, I think from a rivalry standpoint is a pretty good comparison for Ohio state, Michigan. It's just a different sport. And then it's not the same. This is the same sport, but I don't I don't think Georgia, Alabama has the same kind of we hate you no matter what that would apply to the game. No, they're just two really good football teams. That's that would be like. If Penn State and Ohio State played each other in the regulars in like and then played each other again in the playoff, where it's just two really good teams that play each other and they usually play each other tough, but it's not the same level of emotion because Ohio State and Penn State fans don't hate each other. They just happen to play each other every year. Yeah. Not only does the rivalry not as intense, but I also think those SEC teams can open a season with a more realistic thought that whoever wins that game, they may still have to play them in the playoff. I don't know if Big Ten teams think about that quite as seriously because we've seen it just be a more plausible outcome in the SEC than it is in the Big Ten. All right. Let's get a little less theory, a little more application, because we know the playoff is going to expand eventually, not for the next four years, but eventually. And it's going to open up the opportunities for something like this to happen. Let's dig into that a little bit more next on Buckeye Talk. And I want to just run through a couple of the other texture things. This was, I just sort of threw this in, so we don't really have to talk about this very much. We almost had this in 2006 when Ohio State, Michigan was 1-2. Ohio State wins, and then some people thought that in that BCS era that Ohio State, Michigan should have been the rematch for the national title, especially after USC lost. But then, you know, actually USC losing was opened it up because there was no other undefeated Undefeated team, team. and now you're picking among one-loss teams. And it's like, well, why don't you pick the one-loss team that lost to the undefeated number one team? They're the best one-loss team. So should did you want to see that? Do you wish the national title game in 2006 would have been an Ohio State Michigan rematch? The choices were yes, because it would have been cool. Yes, because Ohio State would have had a better chance to win and 41 14 wouldn't have happened, or no. So I'll just tell you yes, because Ohio State would have had a better chance to win and 41 14 wouldn't have happened. Overwhelming win at 57%. Yes, because it's cool, 19%. So combined, 
that's uh, 76% for the yeses and then no 24%. So a quarter of the fan base says, no, I didn't, I just didn't want Ohio state, Michigan again. I didn't really think I, I am more in the idea of like, listen, you sort of, we do sort of have regions. We have conferences that, you know, it's not just the two best teams at all costs because in every other sport, if the two best teams are in the NBA Western conference, they, they can't play for the championship, no matter, no matter what there's no, if you have, if the two best teams are in the AFC, they can't meet in the Super Bowl, National League, American league. It's not like, um, North American sports is dedicated to the principle of the two best teams have to meet no matter what. No, we divide you up and you win your section and then you have the sections meet. So I didn't think Ohio state, Michigan as a rematch really needed to happen. Do you think it should have been right? So it's 76 to 24. Yes. I wanted it to happen. Do you think it should have happened? No, 64%. So two thirds say, no, I just kind of think what I just said. No, it wasn't. You don't want to play them twice in a row. Would have been nice. Ohio State would have had a better chance. So I wanted to throw that out there because I wanted to acknowledge that, you know what, like we've almost been there. As you said, Nathan, we were almost there this year. The door was kind of there. And we certainly were almost there in 2006. Let's get a little more specific, though. This is the general question. There's four questions that I just want to get to the heart of the matter. What do you think of Ohio State, Michigan in a college football playoff game? These are the choices. I would love an Ohio State Michigan playoff game. Honestly, an Ohio State Michigan playoff game might be a little strange. Or the middle choice, always need a middle choice. It'd be fine. I'll just take Ohio State Michigan whenever. Like I'm not going to cut it caught up in it. It's like it's the it's the rivalry, whatever. So love it. Kind of think it's weird or in the middle. Nathan, what do you think? One. Think kind of think it's weird. One. Steven, what do you think? One. I think love it might have won. They love it. They yeah. love. They love it. Fifty percent. I, I know why too. Fifty percent love it. Twenty six percent think it's a little strange. Twenty four percent say uh, whatever. I'll just take it whenever. Stephen, do you think the reason they would love it is because they're pretty sure Ohio State would win? Yeah, I think yeah. they they not not. I think they know that they would probably just based off where the talent is. If you take out weather elements and you're putting it in the indoor track i mean we see what happens every time ohio state gets to indy like they just think that they mm. wipe the floor with michigan because the, nobody has ohio state speed that's not in the sec right now so i think they would that I, that's why they would love it because now ohio state gets to show off its sec talent and not be hold, held back by snow or rain or cold weather so that does get to the next question because that is an important point, Stephen, that you're making, which is if we're doing it in the playoff, it's not a home game for anybody. And it's going to be indoors and it's or at the very least, it's going to be warm. It might be in the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl, but it's, it's not going to be in Ann Arbor and it's not going to be in Columbus in late November. Compare an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game to a regular season, Ohio State-Michigan playoff game. Regular season is better. Playoff game would be better. Or equal, Nathan. What do you think? One. Boy, that's a great question. Uh, I think they were. They would still say regular season game better. Stephen, what do you think? These are Ohio State fans, so I'm going to say they said playoff game was better. But I think a better way to word it would be a regular season game has a chance to be more competitive. But 
because these are Ohio State fans, they want whatever's going to give them the best chance to win. Well, how would I word that question? What's I don't the wording know. of that question? Don't criticize the wording of my question. I wasn't really. No, I'm just I'm not criticizing. What's better? <laughs> what would you rather have? What's better? What's better? What's better? Competitive the- or, or just uh, the, what's better? A competitive. What's better for an Ohio State fan, a competitive game or just the best chance to win? So this was basically no answer. It was almost split a third, a third, mm-hmm. a third, 37 percent regular season. 34% playoff, 29% equal. I do think a regular season game is better because I understand what you're saying, Stephen, and I do think it's a really important point because it just so happens the way the teams are structured right now and the way they try to play football that Ohio State, it's not anything inherent that Ohio State should be better in a dome, but Ohio State's better in a dome compared to any Big Ten team. So give Ohio State a neutral site game against anybody in the Big Ten, and I think Ohio State's already high odds of winning go up. That just happens to be the case right now. Listen, Ohio State could just recruit five-star offensive linemen and JT Barrett quarterbacks and great running backs, right, and try to win that way and not throw the ball, which is what they did for a long time. I don't think when Ohio State was trying to go play Florida and LSU in the national title game in 2006 and 2007. That wasn't better for Ohio state against anybody. That's like, Hey, right. I mean, they had taken junior, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not necessarily the case. It happens to be the case. So I do think that factors in, but Nathan, I think this rivalry is better in the home stadiums. And I think you lose some decent chunk of what makes Ohio state, Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan. If you're playing on a neutral site, I would vote regular season game better in something like this in this poll. Yeah. I mean, I thought last year's elements that that scene um, watching those teams have to both play in, in that kind of weather. I thought that added to the aesthetic. Yeah. Hmm, not, not just yes. the aesthetic, but just sort of the competitive um, demands of that game and, and okay, you know, made it uh, even even tougher to win that game for both teams and and something they all they had to overcome. That's that's what you get for being in the northern part of the country in December, uh, November. So um, I, I agree. I think I agree that there's something special about when that opposing team has to come on to your, you know, and, the, you know, let's face it, when the opposing fans have to come into your arena and sit there and watch you beat their team and then filter out, you get to watch them walk back to their cars. Like there is some, if you're a fan, there's something to that. I'm not picking on the house state fans who had to do that this past year. Cause obviously you guys got to experience the other side of it for the most of the decade before that. So, you know, how both sides of it feels, you know, how it feels to make that walk. And you know how it feels to watch the other team make that walk. So I, I just think that's, that's part of it. It makes that rivalry even more special. I don't like, I, I'm just for the record. There's no bad answer here. You know, which is why it was probably so equal like that. I'm just saying it's, do you want the aesthetic of college football and the tradition that comes with it? Or do you want to win a national championship? And that will decide which of those fences you pick. Because no other rivalry has to deal with this. Like Auburn and Alabama don't have to deal with. It might be snowing Mm. when you play each other. USC and Oregon or Texas and Oklahoma don't have to deal with that. So what do you want? You want the aesthetic or you want to win? I do think... Also, the idea that in any playoff game, there's going to be some number of sort of like neutral fans or 
It's yeah. a different clientele. You know, it's high people who can afford playoff tickets. It's not like there's no local fans in playoff games. A bunch of Ohio State fans go to playoff games, obviously. But it would be a little different. It's just not quite the same. I do think in the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, a lot of the accoutrement matter, right? The, the things, the sort of the real things that when you combine it all, make something intangible. It's the feeling of the game. There's a lot of things that go into that. And if you're walking into the Cotton Bowl, right, you're going to be missing some of what makes Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan. So, uh, again, there's no – clearly people are split, and I think there's a lot of people who are like, whatever, just let's play. Let's play football. I want Ohio State to play Michigan 15 weeks a year if we can. It's cool. I'll take any game you can. Do you want to see an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game in your lifetime? Yes, no, or whatever. Like, whatever happens, happens. Steven, what won? Yes, no, or whatever. Do you want to? Yes, whatever happens, no. That order? Yeah. Nathan? Yeah, I think I agree with that order, yeah. That is the correct order. 46% yes, whatever, 38, no 17. So like almost half the people said, I think it might be too stressful, but only 17% of the people said, I don't want to see it. So there are, that's 33% of the people or 30% of the people who are like, I might be the most stressed out I've ever been in my life, but I'll take it. I wouldn't mind seeing it once, which I think is where I would be, right? That I would say all my answers here would be, The regular season is better. The regular season is what it's about. The regular season means more. But you throw me an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game almost out of curiosity, Nathan. I want to see what would be the same, what would be different. Would the atmosphere, how would the atmosphere be ramped up? How would it maybe feel stale compared to a home game in late November? You know, would, would people absolutely freak out? Or would people be like, you know what? This just feels like a regular football game. I don't know. Because I do think one of the things that could happen, Nathan, is it feels significantly like less of a rivalry because you're just trying to win to get to the national championship. You're trying to win a title at that point. It happens to be that your rival's in the way, but beating the rival is not really the reason you want to win that game, which is, you know, Ohio State's always chasing a national championship, but they want to beat Michigan because they want to beat Michigan. So I, I, I would like to see it, but I do think, Nathan, there might be some things that would surprise us about how the game would feel and how fans would react to it if it ever happens. Yeah, and there's there's some other factors here, too, that will affect this. Like, did Ohio State crush Michigan in the regular season finale, and then now Michigan gets in as, like, the 12 seed or whatever – and pulls an upset over a weaker five seed and is, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they end up meeting like that, or, you know what I mean? I think those things will affect it too. Is, is Michigan seen as like an equal challenger or is Michigan seen as just sort of this spoiler hoping things go perfectly to try to knock off a a juggernaut or I suppose vice versa, though we don't really live in that world right now. My first example is much more closer than the way these programs have been these last several years. So that'll affect it too. There's just so much that's unknown. I think even those of us who have been proponents of expanding the playoff don't maybe have a great picture of what's it going to look like? How is it going to feel? How are people really going to respond? How are people going to look at those games and 
will there will the intensity be there for some of these matchups? Some of this we just will have to wait until it starts to play out, and that'll give us a better idea of what it would be like if you start if you just subbed Michigan in for whatever team Ohio State is playing in those rounds. I think Stephen, the team that lost the regular season game would be psyched for the playoff game, and the team that won the regular season game might be like, uh, like we're just trying. We already proved we're better than these guys. We're just trying to win it all. Like Ohio State beats Michigan. Ohio State's the two seed. We're in an expanded playoff. Michigan's the seven. Maybe Michigan's the 10. Michigan's the 10. They beat the seven. Now they're playing Ohio State in the second round. It's two versus seven. Ohio State feels like, what are we doing? We already beat these guys. Michigan's, I guess, to have all this extra motivation of like, we're going to get revenge, whatever. I don't know, Stephen, if like Ohio State fans would be like, yes, more of this. I think they might view it as a distraction. Whereas if it was this year, right, and Ohio State lost, and now Ohio State fans would be like, are you kidding me? We get a second chance and we get to go at those guys again. You'd be psyched for it. I do think it'd be a little weird because most of the time we're going to assume Nick Steven, maybe incorrectly, but that if Ohio State and Michigan meet in the playoff, probably Ohio State won the regular season game. And then I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a chance that when it inevitably happens, the higher seats on upset watch. Whoever won the first game should be on upset watch to lose the second game, just because of all the reasons you just pointed out, especially if it's Ohio State who won the first game. Because, like, dude, we spend the whole year ramping ourselves up to play this game, and now we got to do it again. And when that's not really where our focus is right now, and that's when Michigan jumps up and gets them. I do think, and that's this is the final question, then we'll get out of here. Some of this theory stuff, it's like, again, I think a little bit goes a long way. Do you think you will? See an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game in your lifetime. Yes or no? Steven, what do you think won? Yes or no? Yes. Nathan, what do you think won? Yes. No. No, 56%. Only 44% yes. I think yes pretty strongly because we're going to get to at least a 12-team playoff like in four years. And 30 years, like we're never – like these are both good programs – I think we're going to see it, but Steven, I think the scenario that I just said is, is like how we'll see it. That like Ohio State's like a two. They beat Michigan in the regular season. Michigan's either the seven or the 10. They win their first round game. And now we get this. And then when we get there, I just don't know how much Ohio State fans will actually like it. Because it's not in theory. Because you can't play it. It's like, oh, if you didn't play in the regular season that year, and then you play in the playoffs, it's like, okay, here we go. Or if you split in the regular season. It's like, now here we go. It's like, you can't do those things. There's, you're going to have definitely played, and there's going to be a winner. And it's just going to be a little weird for the winner, I think. But I do, I do think we'll see it. I just think they're two good of programs. And eventually, the matchups and the bracket will lead them to each other sometime in the next 25 years. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. And honestly, it might just depend on how the first game played out. Like if Ohio State goes out there and just and it's the 2018 game all over again, then, yeah, they're probably not going to be as juiced up. Because like we not only did we prove we're the better team, we're like really the better team. We shouldn't have to go through this again. But if it's like a game like how the Northwestern Big Ten Championship game was in 2020, where it's like they won, but they didn't really play their best. Now they get another shot to kind of like, all right, this is what we really wanted to do. Then then things can get a little bit interesting because now you're trying to redeem yourself a little bit. So that, that, that'll that play into it. How does the game play out the first time? 
I know people are going to probably bring up, I mean, some of the people who might have voted no are going to bring up that Duke of North Carolina had never played in the tournament after decades and decades and decades and decades. But remember how much bigger that field is, how many more minds you have to avoid to set up that matchup in the tournament. And in the, it's going to be the difference between like, you know, to win the World Series of Poker in like the 80s, you had to beat like 100 people. And now if you win it, you have to beat like 8,000 or whatever. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's ex- exponentially tougher. Each round that you have to go makes it that much more likely that somebody would stumble and not make it to that matchup. So I think you're right, Doug, that that, that sort of stares you in the face. I'm sure that they will do some bracketing where, conference opponents don't rematch in the first round or whatever because then you get situations where you know whoever you just played for your conference championship game you have to play them again the very next week or whatever but i think there's no way to avoid it like second round matchups like you're really only talking about the power five conferences and there's some years where even one of those power five conferences is barely involved so it's gonna it's very likely to happen so we're talking about a world where ohio state wins the regular season and it's like oh you got to do this rematch on the other hand what does a perfect, the perfect Ohio State football season look like to an Ohio State football fan? Beating Michigan twice on the way to the national title? I mean, is that would that be the, the perfect year? Because the perfect year right now is beat Michigan, win the national title. But you can't beat them. I mean, it's not really on the table. I guess it is on the table. It is now. But, like, beat them twice and beat them three times. Regular season, Big Ten championship, if they go to pods or something, and then or if they get rid of divisions. But, I mean, I do think, Stephen, in the end, it's like you don't want to be a – I don't like it when sports fans are preemptively scared of things, like when we have like the, oh, I'd rather have my team make a bowl and miss the playoff because I don't want to lose a playoff game. It's like, what are we doing? you got to be in it. You're not – you don't have a chance if you're not in it. So don't be preemptively scared. So maybe that's the way, in the Stephen, that we should look at this in the end. It gives Ohio State fans – and the Ohio State program, a chance at an ideal season, two Michigan wins and a trophy at the end. First and foremost, three Michigan games in one year would be a lot for everybody. It would kill us. It would kill it would, the three of us. No, I, know I think that. it would. I genuinely think it would kill everybody. I don't know if anybody. That's a lot. That's just emotionally draining. Oh, no. All fans, media, and players and coaches. I don't think anybody survives that. But yes, it's right now. It's beat Michigan, win the Big Ten championship game, win a national championship. What if you beat Michigan to win the national championship? Yeah. Just kill just kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. No, I, I agree with what you're saying too, Doug, about you can't live in fear. You can't let you can't, I don't think, not want the matchup because of fear. Number one, Ohio State should never really be in that situation to begin with. I don't know who they should really fear. But but secondly, it's let's look at the Duke, North Carolina. It's sort of like it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all or whatever. Mm. It's like, okay, I know Duke. You're just going to have to wear this forever. That Coach K lost to North Carolina in his last game at Cameron and lost to North Carolina in the Final Four, and that was the end of his career. Like, you're going to have to wear that. But, like, your two historic programs who were meeting in a historic situation, and they won. Like, it's almost it, – it. yes, you have, to, you have to live in that reality now forever, but – think of all the other programs who, who they play and when they lose, it doesn't matter. Like this is just part of what it comes at at playing at this level. And um, I I sort of said that when we were talking about the, when I first came onto this beat, I think we were talking about some of the upsets that Ohio state had faced 
or had taken in, in the previous couple of years and about how, listen, that's just kind of part of college football. Like you get to be the 1% 364 days a year or more than that. But once in a while, another team gets to like have a win that it celebrates for 50 years over you. That's just part of the deal. And I think this would become just part of the deal that every once in a while that beating Michigan once in a year or for Michigan beating Ohio State once in a year won't be enough. You'll have to come back. You'll It'll be like the in the monster movie or whatever. Um, you get, The first time is enough. You have to put them down again to finally finish them off. It's the All monster right. movie. I don't know. You like? I don't, I don't know. know. You know, at the end of like, you know, like yeah, Jason, and whatever in Halloween, like you think you killed Jason, but then like five minutes go by and here he comes again or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's that's law theory. I like talking about stuff like that. Sometimes I hope it spurs discussions among you guys out there listening. Saying like, ah, oh, let me ask my Ohio State friend. Uh, what would you want it? What would you think? So uh, we'll get down to more serious football Wednesday pod. We're going to have talk to C.J. Stroud. We're going to have talk to Chip Traynham and Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg and all these guys in the linebacker mix. We'll talk to Kyle McCord, we think. So there'll be a lot to convey to you guys on the Wednesday pod. That'll be out Wednesday afternoon. Again, we're kind of on this just later in the day schedule because we're um, trying to bring you this stuff as hot and fresh as possible. And then some really good, I think, secondary discussion later in the week. And uh, we're going to, on Thursday, I think we'll talk about sort of a roster reset where there might still need to be some attrition before the season starts. For now, make sure you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU. Try the texts, subscribe to Buckeye Talk, and we appreciate you making us part of your Ohio State experience. For Stephen Means, for Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.